This is the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast session number 180, using your words to hurt or heal. Hello there and welcome to session number 180 of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast. I'm Annette Bone and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a 20 plus year hiatus, the lessons I've learned, the transformation I've experienced, and the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who also share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. I'm super excited to share this fantastic conversation I had with Katrina Kohi, of Different Drummer Dance, and it's a bi-coastal dance studio on a mission to teach dance from the inside out. So I loved our conversation as we got into mindset and the importance of words and dance education and so much more. Before I share our interview, I wanted to invite you to go to my homepage of my website, AnnetteBone.com. In the middle, I have a section. (laughs) And basically, it is asking for your first name and email address to get a free audio download on this one thing that you can implement right away that will help you with overwhelm, confusion and disappointment. It's less than five minutes. And so it's a very quick consumable piece of content. So I encourage you to uh, sign up for that. It's free. And I would love to keep in contact with you. So go ahead and go to my homepage. AnnetteBone.com, scroll to the middle where it says about uh, the one question and about overwhelm, confusion and disappointment. I look forward to sharing that with you. So without further ado, let's get into my wonderful conversation with the awesome Katrina Kohi of Different Drummer Dance. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, this is Katrina Kohi, director and founder of Different Drummer Dance, and you are listening to the Dancepreneuring Studio with Annette Bone. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. So let's start off with something fun, Katrina. I saw that you like raw cookie dough. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with raw cookie dough. And you, you know, it's funny because you, I'm like, she likes raw cookie dough. Okay, that sounds good. So, why is your spirit animal the cookie monster? Is it because of that? I think it's just because he's so like he's so passionate about the cookies. Mm. You know, like he's just completely unabashed, no shame about loving the cookies, and he's just so joyful when he when he's got the cookies. I just really appreciate that in other beings and humans and creatures that just like a hundred percent in all about whatever it is that's lighting you up and for cookie monster it's cookies (laughs) I was you know when I read that I thought oh I'm getting such really fond memories of when my son used to watch Sesame Street and Uh how crazy cookie monster was and I thought for a dancer to have a spirit animal as a cookie monster you you would expect something like oh, I feel like a gazelle or, you know, especially with your ballet background, I thought, oh, maybe she would have said gazelle or deer or something, you know, like that. But Cookie Monster, I like that better, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, 
Yeah, I think that's one thing that's funny about, you know, dance and dancers and especially like ballet dancers. We have this and within our own community too, like in the dance community and then others, the way that others perceive dancers and ballerinas is like you said, very, you know, elegant and kind of refined and stately. So I personally love that contrast between that and just like Cookie Monster being all about like (laughs) just getting as many cookies as he can into his mouth. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Now you're making me think, ooh, I think I might want a cookie later on. <laughs> Anytime is a good time for cookies. Yes, I think I think so too. Definitely. It's it's uh, and there's so many options now. Like I I love vegan cookies. I don't eat them often, but oh. I love that there's options like that. So and vegan yeah. donuts too. I don't know if you've had vegan donuts. Oh my I gosh. I haven't <laughs> had vegan donuts, but it's interesting that you bring up veganism because I've been trying out um, a ton of vegan recipes over the past month and have had been having so much fun in the kitchen, just like playing around and trying new things. And um, so I might try and do some vegan baking. Actually, it's been mostly cooking, but now I'm I'm interested in, in that whole vegan baking world and kind of playing a little bit more. It's very fun to me. What recipes have you tried that you liked that you would do again? Yeah, well, so I actually, this kind of vegan experiment started with, um, are you familiar with Chris Carr? I am. Yeah. So she does, of course, she's got tons of books, um, but she also does a like 21 day online program. That's all about, you know, like reestablishing healthy um, habits and really taking a look at what you are eating and finding what things, you know, feel good and what things don't feel good. So I did, I started that program back I want to say it was at the beginning of July. Um, so when you enroll in the program, she gives you, you know, all these wonderful materials and there's a whole online cookbook and you just follow the recipes in the cookbook for 21 days. So I've been super enjoying all of her recipes. There's some really great ones um, for like stuffed sweet potatoes that I like. There's a really good um, like burrito bowl. Oh, the, the spices and like mm. the flavors are just really, really good. I love options again, just like what we were talking about technology. For those of you listening, Katrina and I had some challenges with uh, Zencaster, which I n- normally use. And, you know, as a podcaster, you kind of expect it and you, you figure, you, you know, we were both saying like, just when you think you have it figured out, something else comes up, but it's figure outable. So here we are on Zoom recording and already having a wonderful conversation. And I'm so excited to have her and to get into the questions and, and get her thought processes on some of these things, because we have, I'm finding that we have commonalities on how we view dance. Like Katrina, you said that you're a self-growth junkie. I am definitely a self-growth junkie. However, back when I wasn't dancing, uh, those 20 years I wasn't dancing, it was kind of hard to admit that because my lifestyle didn't reflect it. Hmm. It was cool to say I'm into motivational, positive things, yet my actions and my lifestyle didn't reflect what I was saying. Hmm. And so that made this, you know, it was very... I thought disingenuous. And so that made me more down on myself. So now it's, it's very different being back in dance, but I loved how you talk about being a self growth junkie. I love the statement you said about you loved ballet, but you don't know, or you didn't know that if it loved you back, if you were too much or not enough, what was the process of reassessing your mindset on this so that you got past that questioning of, is ballet for me? Is it not for me? Am I good enough for it? Am I not good enough for it? What would you say about that? 
Mm, that's a great question. For me, you know, the process of developing my relationship with dance as a dancer and as a dance educator um, has just been so um, so expansive and so like up and down and sideways and three dimensional and it goes all over the place. But I think like you, you know, I took a little mini break from dance as well um, because it was just, I was in a place where I was feeling overwhelmed and overworked and just exhausted. And I needed that space from the dance world to gain a little bit of perspective and realize that the things that I was doing weren't helping me and I wasn't helping my goals of wanting to dance, you know, long-term or do anything with my passion. I was just running myself ragged. Um, So I think that that space really gave me a lot of perspective to see things more clearly. And then once I was able to go back with a little bit, you know, more clarity and better perspective, then pieces of the puzzle started dropping into my life, like little clues, like, oh, hey, you know, this, this little thing was a trigger for you, or you're getting really upset about this one element of your teaching or your lifestyle or your body, and just starting to be more curious about those things rather than being judgmental. So that was really key for me. And will always be key for me, I believe, in my journey is just finding those little hints from the universe and being curious about what they mean instead of judging them and starting to turn them into something that, you know, I need to fix or that I need to judge myself on. Because like you said, as you know, I think this is a human thing, but I think it can be especially apparent in dancers is that we tend to have this really negative internal dialogue and we tend to get really down on ourselves. So for me, it was just turning that into more of a curious perspective. And that was really what was able to change my mindset. I loved that you use those words, curious versus judgmental. And Mm -hmm. when you were on the Business of Dance podcast, which I will link in the show notes, and that way people can get more of a background on you as well as your site and and all of your platforms, words are important. And you definitely express this about how to reframe how you communicate, whether it's with your students or whether you're training other educators. So I want to give you a scenario, which I knew the timing would be great on this because I was in a dance class last night and I thought, I'm going to ask Katrina how she would handle this. (laughs) Ooh, okay, I'm excited. (laughs) So I was in a dance class and, uh, you know, we got into groups as we normally do because it's a big class. So we got divided into groups and the choreography called for us to move across. You know, it's, it's, it was a, contemporary jazz class. It's one that I take regularly that I absolutely love because out here, I, well, you're from California, so you know this. And being yeah. bi-coastal with your, your studios, is it like this in New York, first of all, where people don't give a proper warm-up, where people don't take time? Because I this, this is the only class that allots time for an hour plus warm-up, which I absolutely love. You know, I feel like I don't take class as often as I used to as a disclaimer, but I feel like the times that I have, I have noticed those warm-ups becoming shorter and shorter as well. And it's kind of strange to me. And I kind of just chalked it up to the fact that I'm old school and I really like, like I'm one of the weird people who likes being at the bar or doing, you know, those, those first warm-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've noticed that as well. I don't, 
I'm not sure quite what that's about yet. <laughs> yeah, especially while being in LA too. I know you're from Northern California and uh, I don't know if that's it's like that there, but especially in the commercial dance world, it's very much about get in, get out. Let's get choreography. Like the big emphasis mm. now is definitely, which is fine because there's some amazing stuff going on in the dance world commercially and in the entertainment industry. But I like the balance of, well, first of all, injury prevention wise, I feel it's very important to have a proper warm up, and especially specific to the dance style because I was in one class, a new teacher that I wanted to try out and he did a hip hop warm up and expected us to do some contemporary stuff and modern stuff across the floor. And I thought, hmm, um, hmm you want us to do this layout, get on the floor, <laughs> but we only did head isolations and some rib isolations. Okay, that's not cool. You know, all these people are, yeah. I, I was thinking about the people in the class like, Beginners wouldn't know and they just kind of do. But um, when you're a little bit more experienced, then, you know, this kind of stuff is important to you. So that was my first part of the question. So I was in class, right? So we have the groups uh -huh. going on, do the choreography. And I noticed this one dancer, like I, right now I try to be more focused on myself so I don't get caught up in like, oh my gosh, I don't look like that. My extension's not like that. I still do, deal with that sometimes. And um, I was noticing her energy and her execution being a little frenetic, if that makes sense. There were parts mm -hmm. of the choreography that required a little bit more sharpness, but the teacher was saying, okay, relax into it more. Okay, just kind of that effortless ease or yeah, that effortless ease. That's the way I would describe it. That's the kind of feel that I got from it. Now executing that, knowing that and executing that, that's two different things. That takes a little bit of time, right? And experience and, mm -hmm. and, uh, but I thought, okay, am I noticing this? Because am I being judgmental about the way her body moves? Am I being judgmental about the choreography? And th mind you, this class is, she's not like nitpicky because there's all, people from all different backgrounds, former professional dancers, people that are in college, working toward their dance degrees, all kinds of people. And she accommodates everybody. And it's a challenge and it's really good. But I thought, okay, am I recognizing this energy because I'm like that, because I execute like that. And so I wanted to ask you as a coach, as an educator, as someone who knows that words are important and someone who knows that encouragement and framing things in a proper way can either motivate or devastate you. How would, if this person came to you and said, how did I do? What could I do better? Or wanted feedback from you? How would you handle what you saw from my eyes, like seeing someone see that like she was trying too hard. And I think it's a constant thing with, with dance. It's like you want to give your full effort, but sometimes your full effort doesn't mean that you're going aggressively at the choreography, if that makes sense. So how would you coach this person? Yeah, that's, I think it's so interesting um, that we, you know, those are the things that we kind of attach to right away. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's so wonderful that, you know, you have the awareness to immediately be like, wait, am I judging? Am I just noticing? Is that like me? And like asking those questions right off the bat is just, I think one of the best things that we can do as dancers or dance teachers or really just as humans to just start to be more aware of, you know, our own biases and, you know, all of those human things that we experience. But as for, you know, how I would handle it or what I would say, I think if that were, so if this were my student and she had, he or she had asked, you know, for feedback, I always try and lead with like, oh, I loved your energy. You know, I could really feel that you were here a hundred percent. And I appreciate that that's what you're bringing to the class. And, you know, 
acknowledging that that's a wonderful thing to bring. And I think it's important to remember as well with every student that you encounter in the classroom, they are all pretty much 99% of the time, everybody's doing the best that they can. And everybody is doing the best that they can within their own reality. So this particular student her, you know, reality at that moment might have been, oh, I'm going to attack this and, you know, I'm going to show it who's boss and I'm going to be really fierce and, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's completely her reality in that moment. And there's really not a whole lot that another individual can do to kind of pierce that reality. And of course, we don't want to I mean, you can completely deflate that reality by saying something like, um, girl, you need to calm it down. That was too much. But we don't want to do that. So I think just acknowledging the things that you did see, being observant and saying, you know, I really saw that you were bringing all this wonderful energy. I could tell that you were really excited to be here. Thank you for doing that. And then just, you know, finding a way to mention, like, I'm really looking forward to seeing you uh, relax into this movement a little bit more or to find some different qualities and maybe even suggesting, you know, that she observe another dancer in the class who does have those qualities or pairing those two people up in opposite groups so they can really watch each other and then making it, you know, more of like a teamwork, let's observe and learn from each other thing rather than doing that competition thing that often happens in dance classes where it's like, you know, look at that girl in the corner. She's doing it perfectly. Less of that and more of like, oh, I really want you to watch for these qualities in these dancers or in that dancer. Did that kind of answer your question? That answered it beautifully, Katrina. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Oh my goodness. I'm encouraged just by that because I'm thinking of myself too, because I've had teachers tell me, okay, just relax. You got this. Just relax. And going back into dance after not, you know, I'm very much like, I want to get this. I want to do this. I know I can do this kind of thing. And that sometimes that over enthusiasm the energy is not dispersed in a very constructive way. And so I, you know, I think, again, I thought okay, I'm, I'm identifying an aspect within myself that I need to uh, work on. Not that I need to change internally who I am, like that kind of thing, like there's something wrong with me, which has taken me a long time to realize, okay, I, don't, I didn't get that choreography. I didn't get that step. I'm still valuable. I didn't mm. do it like, and that's taken me a long time because I always equated my performance with my value. And, uh, it, you know, in the dance world, it's hard not to do that because it's especially, oh gosh, anyway, that's a whole discussion in itself. But um, I it really, is. Yeah, it is, right? It's a of worms. It is. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is. But I liked what you said um, on your interview with, on the Business of Dance podcast about, you were asked about the question, the host asked you about, do you think that there is more awareness now with the different body types that you see in different forms of dance? And uh, you had talked about that, that we're getting there. There's still work to do, but you're getting there. And then it, it got me thinking about awareness versus acceptance, because you can be aware of something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's acceptable. Like, it, especially in the hip hop world, there's so many dancers that have defied what, you know, they're not aggressive. They're not all aggressive. They're not all looking a certain way. And with ballet too, with Misty Copeland, but that throughout history has changed too, because you've had different dancers that were rail thin and then going to a little bit more fuller. And it's kind of like 
history repeating itself in a way, you know, people don't know that unless they go back. But what would you say about that? Because I think there is a there's the thing of awareness and there's the thing of acceptance and they're two different things. What would you say about that? What is what is your opinion on that in the dance world? Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction. And those two words that you used, I think, are yeah really important: awareness and then acceptance. Because and I had mentioned this before um, on the other podcast, but I do see changes coming and there being a lot more awareness in the dance community about inclusivity and, you know, different body types and different abilities and which is wonderful. Um, but I worry sometimes that it's just a little surface level. Yes. I remember you saying that. Yes. Yeah. There's not that, right. That there's not that deeper acceptance. And I think I'm hoping that that will come with time and that the more that we keep seeing, you know, different bodies and different talents and different movements that, it will just keep cueing our brain to the message that that's normal um, and that's acceptable. But I think part of it too is because we've got all these social media channels now, right? And we've got hashtag inclusion and hashtag body positivity and people can be really eager to jump on those bandwagons and use those hashtags or images or videos because they want to be associated with that or they want to be on trend or you know whatever whatever that buzz word is at the moment um and that's where it gets a little sticky and that's where i get concerned that it's just that surface level and that the deeper understanding hasn't really sunk in yet but it's my hope that you know we keep having conversations like this and that you know, we just keep spreading the the good awareness and the message that it does go deeper and that this isn't just a surface conversation. It's not just a hashtag, but it's, you know, a movement that we can really embrace and use to help up and coming dancers be better dancers, be better humans and, you know, really live their best lives to use a hashtag, hashtag living my best life. <laughs> yes. I so hear you, what you said, Katrina, on it's so easy to jump on the bandwagon and, and be a part of that buzzword just because it's very surfacy. And um, it's interesting, but I think you can tell by, by the content that people post, by who they are, if they really do believe that or not, by what mm. they do. And that goes back to, you know, I, I always get reminded, okay, I'm saying this, but am I... Do I, if, do I, if I believe it, am I doing it? That's what it comes down to. That's right. for me. Anyway, if I, if I believe it, okay. If I believe like when I was, when I wasn't dancing, okay, do I really want to dance? I'm not dancing. So why am I saying this? Do I really want to do this? Okay. So get off my butt and do it. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Right. Right. So, you know, so. Yeah. And I think that goes back to like, we were just talking about with the curiosity and the mm-hmm. fact that you are asking those questions just keeps kind of, you know, digging a little deeper and a little deeper to really get to the root of, you know, why you do want to go back to dance or why you are including body positivity in your dance classes or, you know, whatever the issue may be, just starting with that base of being curious and being not only willing to ask the questions, but willing to hear your own answers that you come up with. Yes, yes. And I I love that approach with curiosity. And I look now at dance as a series of experiments, experiments of movement, of exploration. And for me, that's so much more organic. 
do I love technique? I absolutely love technique. Do I love choreography and set things and plans and, and uh, set movements? Oh my gosh, I do. I love that. But I also love the process of discovery. I love different perspectives. It's, it's such a, I feel like it's such a new world going back into dance where I'm at right now because of the curiosity factor, the discovery and the inclusivity of, oh my goodness, like I have a friend that I interviewed. Um, she became a friend after I interviewed her. She has a professional wheelchair. I always mess this up. Professional ballroom wheelchair dance company. And oh, she's so cool. Yeah, she's amazing. And then, you know, companies like Heidi Latsky and Axis and mm-hmm. um, just it's amazing what what can happen. And, and um, I recently saw this clip of this uh, a friend of mine. She also has a dance company locally and she shared this video of all places. I would never expect to see this. This uh, I don't know if it was Thunderstruck or another one of those competition, those young competition programs. And this yeah. girl, she was doing um, well without one leg. It was like it could have been an all a second turn or fouette turn if she had a leg. And there she was right in the middle of the stage doing her thing without on yeah, one leg. I think I saw that video too. Yeah. I yeah, was like, that's, oh, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. To put, first of all, put yourself out there. Secondly, I mean, defying it just, it, it gets me to ask more questions and makes me even that much more passionate about how dance needs to be available for everyone for everyone, regardless of age, ability, et cetera. So thank you so much for sharing your perspectives. And uh, this, you know, I could go on a whole, like just all the things that I know about you, the, you know, just reading about you and hearing your, your past interview and stuff. I thought I I could get into some really good (laughs) good discussions on different things. And so I want to uh, ask you uh, my usual questions for my guests about these three things. And I call it the dance printer and quick step. The first one is, which I read on your website, but let's see if this is, it's the same answer. Dance style you haven't tried, but would like to and why? Yes. Um, I think this is the same answer on my website. I would love to try hula because I'm a little bit obsessed with Hawaii and the Hawaiian islands. I've gotten to visit a couple times and have seen some wonderful, wonderful performances. And I just, I love the storytelling aspect behind it. And it's like a whole different language. And I would love to try that someday soon. It is fun. I actually started with hula and Tahitian when I was eight. Those were the first two dance oh, forms. Wow. Yeah, that I was, uh, that I was in. I'm thinking, do I want to go? I don't know. It's funny how you, you have interests in certain styles. Like I love all styles, but I'm thinking, oh, do I want to? And I have a friend that recently has started Tahitian. She's like, it's such a workout. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. I can only <laughs> imagine. Yeah. So the next question is favorite dancer or choreographer and why? Hmm. So I'm going to go with choreographer. Um, I love David Dawson's work. He, I'm not sure if you're familiar, he did a piece for PNB that I believe was called A Million Kisses to My Skin. And the, from what I understand, the kind of motivation behind it was just movement that felt really good to his body. And that's something that I can get completely behind. And the movement is just so lush and free and it just makes me want to like get up and and start moving and I love that when I see choreographers or you know dancers that uh, that work that way that just make me want to get up and dance with them that's usually a, a clue that it's it's jiving with me yes have you studied gaga method you know, a little bit. Um, I actually trained for several years at San Francisco Conservatory of Dance. And when I, around the time that I 
started leaving, they brought that, um, they brought that in as like a class offering. So I just missed it. I know little bits and pieces, but of, of the method and the ideology behind it, but no, I've not had the chance yet to study it myself. Oh, I think you would love it based on what you said about the feeling and, and coming from a different place. I absolutely love it. I, I haven't taken it enough. I've taken a couple classes that are available here in the LA area, but oh, it's, I love the approach. I love different approaches to dance. Like I love that it's not just about learning choreography. I love that it can come from a different, oh, I love all that kind of stuff. So right now, as we are talking, Katrina, what is the dance style that currently describes your day and why? Hmm. I'm going to say creative movement Mm. (laughs) because I'm actually in the process of developing a creative movement curriculum, which will be available on my website soon for purchase. But I am deep in the rabbit hole of creative movement and kind of like we were talking about earlier, um, bringing that sense of curiosity and discovery alongside, you know, technique and progressions and um, all of that good, you know, kind of textbook stuff. Um, So I'm, I'm finding it's challenging, but it's also really fun to find new ways to develop that material for a young age group. Um, And I love working with that with that young age group. It's probably one of my favorite groups to work with because everything is just seen from a totally different perspective to them. And I find that a really wonderful way to learn to look at movement and um, creativity through the eyes of like a a four-year-old because they don't pull any punches and they'll tell you exactly if this exercise is awesome or if it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm just deep in my creative movement mode right now. So it's, it's been a fun fun way to kind of move through my days. I love that you said that. And I, and I remember you talking about how you work with these young children and, and their perspectives. And I thought, oh my God, I, I forgot. You forget. You forget mm. that they have this, this wonder that's not colored by anything. It's just, it's just what it is. So, right. so I love that. I'm looking forward to seeing this course, to seeing um, when you put it up. And if you guys want to find out more about Katrina, which I highly recommend you do, and listen to her other interview on Business of Dance podcast, you can find her at differentdrummerdance.com. I'll link all of her information in the show notes. Katrina, thank you so much for your time and your insights. And it's been wonderful to meet you and talk with you. I really appreciate our time together. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. It means so much that you joined me today on this episode. I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I look forward to spending time with you again. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at AnnetteBone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at AnnetteBone.com. This podcast copyright by AnnetteBone.com and Dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.